For those who remember, for those who will never forget, and for a whole new generation who will experience it for the very first time. The Star Wars Trilogy. Welcome to the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. It is July 29th, 2018. And we're talking Star Wars Thrawn Alliances. My name is Zach Weber, and tonight I am joined by me, myself, and I. Yup, it's another solo book review. Well, not a Han Solo book review, just a, a solo book review as in just me. First of all, I'll give some brief thoughts on the book. No spoilers just yet. I will announce a spoiler warning when um, that comes to pass. My initial thoughts on the book. I like the book. So yeah, if, if you're interested in... The second part of the Thrawn, of new Thrawn stories, I would definitely pick this up. You do not need to read the first Thrawn book, the one that came before this. I, as I've made it known on here, I, did, I read part, I read half of that, and I'm like, this is boring. This is the reason why people don't didn't like the EUs. It just gets so bogged down in minutia and just like, like it's like, oh, it's Thrawn's origin story, and it's like, oh my god, it's like, it's like great. He he became a Grand Admiral because he was smart. The end. You don't need a 400 page book to explain that. But you do not need to read that book to understand this. From what I've gathered of what occurs in the first Thrawn book, very little of that actually matters in this book. This book is a, the only thing you'd have to know for this book, Thrawn Alliances, is you'd have to see Rebels season three because there's a lot of the the base on Adelon with Hera and the, they don't mention the Bendu by name. But there's a lot of the end of season. If you've seen the season three finale of Rebels, that's really all you would need to be on the ground floor of this book. Um, but no, that's my general thoughts. If you like if you like Star Wars books, you like Thrawn, definitely pick this up. Like it's it's interesting. Okay, so now I'm getting to a little bit more. Okay, I'm going to put an official spoiler warning here. If you do not want to know what goes on in uh, Star Wars Thrawn Alliances, please stop listening now. Still here? Good. This book, even though I really like it, I do not think it's the, the one of the greatest Star Wars books. It's not a Lords of the Sith. It's not a Lost Stars. It's it's nothing like that. It's good, but it's not great. Um, for a book that has Thrawn and Vader on the cover, there is not a lot of Thrawn and Vader. Don't get me wrong. There are numerous interactions amongst them, but it is... I think we joked a couple... God, it's got to be weeks ago now about the like young Thrawn that looked like Captain America in Clone Wars Anakin cover where it just like it looked like a bad Photoshop job. There's a lot... That should have been the cover of this book. I would say uh, there's about uh, this story is broken up into three different mini stories. You have the 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 main part, which I don't even think it's fair to call it that, but you have Thrawn and Vader going off on a mission to Batu. We'll get into my thoughts on Batu because what they does everybody know? If anybody's excited about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and going to Batu, Batu's the most boring place in the galaxy. Just just let that sink in. If, if you think this is going to be the the uh, the greatest place in Star Wars, considering that this is where they're building all the theme parks are surrounded about or by uh, Black Spire Outpost and Batu. Batu is boring. It's like it's it's just it's generic cantina town. That's all it is. Like imagine you took Mos Eisley and stripped away everything that made it unique. That's Black Spire Outpost on Batu. Anyway, we'll get to that later because there's there's a fair amount of time spent there, but it doesn't really like I said, it, it doesn't make me want to. If, if this was meant as a, a first taste of Batu and make me want to spend like forty grand to go to Disney World and sit to just dump all my money on them between hotels and stuff, this certainly didn't make me want to do that. 
But no, we start off, um, Thrawn Vader, I think they released it as like a plot, like, uh, like an early chapter a few months ago. Like, oh, the Emperor calls Thrawn Vader. Apparently Thrawn, like very early they established, oh, Thrawn Vader don't like each other. But like the further we get, like get into the book, Thrawn's kind of like indifferent to Vader and Vader just hates everyone. So I don't know, weird disconnect there. So they're sent. The emperor sends them the bot too because the emperor senses uh, there's there's a great disturbance in the false, and so they're sent off. Thrawn is put in command of the Chimera, his star destroyer from Rebels. Vader's there like to lead any sort of like assaults. So there's this weird so, like the emperor deliberately kind of gives him this gray area of like who's in command. Like Thrawn's technically in command of the ship and any sort of like this imperial naval attacks, but Vader's in charge if there's any sort of a like, ground assault or. Any missions that take place, like like boarding other ships, it creates a fun dynamic between the two. Because again, the best parts of this book are the Thrawn and Vader parts, and they're together. Because as I was reading this, I could hear the little Thrawn like music that always plays in Rebels when he he starts the monologue. One thing I give Timothy Zahn credit for, he does Vader really well. I think in Star Wars Explains review of this book, he goes, "I wish Vader talked less," which is great. Except it's a book, and you can't, you just can't have like asterisk, asterisk, Vader breathing, asterisk, asterisk. It's a book; he has to talk. Silent characters don't really work well in books. But no, that's the first part. They're they're going to Batu. Then there's like flashbacks to when Anakin and something something Clone Wars. Padme gets like a distress signal. Or gets a tip from one of her like former handmaiden bodyguards telling her something's there about the separatists. And there's a clue to separatist nonsense, and she goes there and tells like Anakin, "I'll be right back." And she's like, Anakin does like three or four different like Clone Wars like battle campaigns, and he comes back to like I guess Coruscant, and she's still like has not checked in. He goes to the Jedi Council, and like he and he's like, "I want to like like take a thing to see like what's going on on Batu," and they're like, "No, Anakin, you're wrong." Like, you know, it's not laid out. He just says it like in one line of dialogue. He's like, oh, I went to the Jedi Council and they told me no. And so he like takes one, like a Jedi Starfighter and he's with R2-D2 and they go out to Batu. He goes out there. Thrawn's, Thrawn's there for some reason just like hovering around the planet. And him, like he gets into like an argument with Thrawn, which I think was another one of those like chapters that was like released early to like create hype for the book. And him and Thrawn kind of like team up. Like Anakin very begrudgingly like, he goes, I don't want to hang around with this person that knows everything about this region. Again, it's just weird. Again, making Anakin obstinate for the sake of obstinate. So both teams go to like Batu at the same time. So you have Anakin and Thrawn on Batu, and you have Vader and Thrawn on Batu. And just like again, Batu is just so bland. There's nothing unique about it. It's not like oh look in the corner there's this or like again considering that Batu and Black Spire Outpost are supposed to be very reminiscent of the like, most likely Cantina. Again, we haven't really talked about the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge on the podcast in a while. The more I think about it, Disney is doing Star Wars Galaxy's Edge because they want to compete with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Studios. And the reason why that was so like successful was that you got to basically be in the movies between the castle and like Hogsmeade. And I know they did um, King's Cross Station in the, the other park. Like you have that whole thing of like you get to like like be in the movie. And like, oh, you're going to Batu. I'm like, I don't want to go to Batu. Batu is stupid, from what I can, I can tell. It's just, it's, it's. There's nothing there. It's just painfully bland. And I'm not sure if that's like, I think, I think Timothy's not a talented author, so I don't think it's a lack of creativity on his part. I think it's that 
this book was probably written sometime when they were probably still were designing Galaxy's Edge, or, th- or the the blueprint of that was probably still in the air. So I'm guessing like I told him to keep it vague, just so they can change things. Like I think it'd be great. Like oh, like let's say for example in this book it's like oh in the corner when Anakin throw on there, Anakin sees like this weird sort of like droid or just some sort of weird creature in the corner. Then when he goes back, like I don't know, twenty years later that same like droid or characters like still doing something at the bar like, wouldn't that be neat nothing like that whatsoever even like the bartender actually i even wrote down the name of the bartenders because like the bartender that's there for the thrawn anakin i'm sorry the anakin portions is different from the ones there for vader i'm like oh wouldn't it be great if it's like this alien species that's that's there for like years like where's like a line of dialogue like saying oh you're still here 30 years later or i guess 20 years later and it's like yeah so like let's just insert star wars species here we have a long lifespan we're like turtles we can live for hundreds of years like that would be great it's like oh so when you go to galaxy that you can interact with this bartender and be like hey thrawn vader it's like what was it like when when uh, the blue alien guy with the red eyes came in here and like the bartender could tell you about it no, nothing like that whatsoever. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, I think it's going it's to be overwhelmingly successful because it has the logo Star Wars on it, and the fans are just going to throw their money at it. But I'm not, like I said, nothing in this book made me say I want, again, I don't want, it's nothing here said, Disney, here's a blank check, write down whatever you want, I want my experience, the Black Spire Outpost. It's just, again, and there's a lot of time spent in, spent in that area, and there's nothing that makes me excited for it. So anyway, though, so they go to like both, both the Anakin, Thrawn, and Vader and Thrawn go down the bot too. Generic stuff happens. There's Anakin finds like Padme's ship. Padme plays a large role in this. Like I know, like there was a, I know they put like a poster out. Maybe I think it was like a Barnes and Noble like insert poster if you bought their version. It's like fifteen dollars more. And I was like, oh wait, Padme's in this. Padme plays a large role in this, like a shockingly large role. And it's the same thing, kind of like it always. It, it's like. One thing about guys about the Anakin Thrawn story is that it plays out just like a Clone Wars TV series arc would. I know I've talked a couple of times, but like, like Phasma, you can feel there's like that little bit like there's no through line there. Like, oh, how she's written her novels completely how, different, how she acts in like the movies. I guess can't speak to the comic for Phasma, but like in this, Anakin is written just like how he was in the TV show in the two thousand late two thousands, early two thousand tens, like per, like written to the take. Thrawn, his dialogue or his what he's what's written, he's written very similarly to how he is in Rebels, except his what his outcomes of his decisions are different. Like we're in Rebels, Ron, Thrawn has like a 50-50 success rate where sometimes he succeeds, and when he does, he's like, this was all part of the grand plan. In in so far from what I've read of the first half book of Thrawn and Thrawn Alliances, Thrawn's like he's kind of like he gets everything right on his first try. Nothing. He never messes up. He gets everything right on his first try, which is something Rebels never doesn't really do. Thrawn screws up a lot in Rebels and just says, "Oh, it was all part of the plan." So Thrawn helps Anakin try to find Padme. There's a bunch of nonsense goes on. There's a bunch of creatures and stuff. Um, that's maybe the one part that will play into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Is that apparently there's like these like two types of creatures that like hang out at Black Spire Outpost. One of them I forget their name is. It's not really important. They're in the Anakin Thrawn part. And then the second ones, which might be one of the more seating. For things to come in the Star Wars universe, there's the Gursks, which sat, like, describe like, they don't really play a major part in the story until like the latter half of the book. They're very reminiscent of the Yuuzhan Vong. Like you get that vibe from them. Like I don't know about like the, being like immune to the Force. Like I, I don't think that's anything that has to do with it though. And they're not. And like I said, but there's, you get vibes that they are because again, they're because Thrawn makes them out to be like this huge thing in the unknown regions. I don't know. We'll get into that in a moment though. 
Yeah, the Anakin Thrawn stuff has the one type of creatures that hang out at the bar, and then the Vader and Thrawn stuff, it's the Gurks. Gursks, it's a weird name. Considering that uh, when we see Black Spire Outpost, it's going to be the uh, New Republic era, or I guess the the Resistance. I don't know. I can, I mean, there's still no name for the sequel trilogy era. We have Clone Wars, we have Galactic Civil War, we still have not a name for the sequel trilogy era other than just calling it that. So, I, I don't know. It could be that. I don't know why. It seems like a place where nobody would want to go to. Like, I know in all the marketing materials for Batu, they're like, oh, this is a place that's been around for years where smugglers go to go hang out and, like, avoid detection. I'm like, yeah, they're able to avoid detection because nothing goes on here. It's kind of like an abandoned Route 66 like, gas station. It's like, yeah, like, you don't get noticed because there's nobody here. So, again, enough, enough dunking on Batu. Again, I was very, that was one thing I got to say. I was very disappointed with the Batu stuff. That's why I kind of was so excited to read this. Was I hoped this could be like our first taste of Batu, considering they kind of like I know in Solo L three says something about Black Spire Outpost. Who are these guys? I'm taking them to Kessel. Oh, well, and what if I don't elect to go to Kessel? Please don't start. Oh, what? You'll have me white. You can get from here to Black Spire without me. Now you're gonna make the Kessel run. If she doesn't want to fly, I'll. So yeah, Vader and Thrawn do that. Actually, the Vader and Thrawn stuff's great. The Anakin and Thrawn stuff reminds me of kind of like a so-so Clone Wars arc. They go looking for Padme. A long story short, they find Padme. Padme's doing something. We get we get some portions with Padme where she's kind of just doing her thing. Where Anakin feels compelled to rescue her despite the fact that she never needed being rescued. And I see. I think it's even like there's some dialogue like that where it's like I think Anakin, or maybe some like internal dialogue with Anakin, where he's like, "Padme never seems to need my help though, but I always come to the rescue of her." Padme's written very similarly to how she's written in the Clone Wars series, so there is some there's some nice continuity there in how the characters are written. The Vader Thrawn stuff doesn't really have any sort of like super duper huge climax to it. There's really no like huge payoff because they are trying to make this big thing. Because again, the Emperor sends Vader and Thrawn out to the unknown regions because there's this, this 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 disturbance in the Force that's so that, is, that needs their attention. And some of the bickering amongst Vader and Thrawn is fun. Like obviously Vader doesn't Vader hates everybody. I think that's just again I said it all before. I never got the vibe from like the original trilogy that Vader just hated everybody. Like he hated incompetence. Like, like if anybody got in his way, that drove him nuts. But I never took it, like, Vader, like, even, like, in Thrawn's made out, other than the thing that happened on Adelon, as this Grand Admiral that nothing gets past, yet Vader has, like, deep contempt for him. And I'm like, why? It's like, he's a guy who gets results. I can't imagine Vader, he's kind of, I guess Thrawn's kind of almost like the naval Grand Moff Tarkin. It's like, he, he, he does what has to be done. I, whatever. Um, I, I guess they haven't explored, I don't know, I, I, one thing I have to say about this after reading this book is I think it's inevitable we get a Vader movie. Like, there's too much stuff just, like, in how Vader operates, where it's like, oh, this would make... Like, seeing Vader... I know I've gotten into, like, discussions with friends not on the podcast about, like, telling them, like, oh, a Vader movie's inevitable at this point. Because, A, it's going to be crowd-pleasing. And, two, there's so much you can do with that character. As the Vader comic has shown, like, the bits and pieces that I've, I've seen of that and read, there's so much you can do with that character that's, just, that's not just simply him killing Jedi or hunting Jedi. I know I've made fun of Jim before for saying he wanted a Vader solo film. But like after reading this, like, I think that's coming sooner or later. Anyway, the, the disturbance in the force that the Emperor felt was there there these Gursk species kidnapped a handful of Chiss children. Apparently Chiss children are very force sensitive, just the just the girls for the most part. Apparently Thrawn says there's a couple exceptions where young Chiss boys are force sensitive, but it's mostly 
Chiss little girls, and Chiss used them as a way of like plotting star maps in the unknown regions. And the reason why there was this great disturbance in the Force was the Emperor sensed that the Gurks captured these Chiss girls and were using them to like exploit their precognition of like star pathways. And I guess these children were in such distress that it created like this weird sort of like force beacon all the way to Coruscant from the unknown regions. And that's kind of the major reveal of the book. Like that, that's like, oh, <gasps> like the book plays it as if it's just this major thing. It's a good story, but like there's no major like third act plot twist in this story at all, which again, I wasn't expecting, but there's really no huge climax. Because how the, the major climax of this story is these Gurks are like putting, like they're moving like, like through technology that they have. They have different like ways of like moving like moons and stuff to like block hyperspace lanes. Because at one point, Thrawn tries like taking the Chimera on the hyperspace lanes to Batu, and they, they get to like a, sp- a specific point, and they just can't. Like for some reason, the engine won't engage the hyperdrive engine. It's very Han Solo Empire Strikes Back esque, where they keep trying and trying, and just the hyperdrive won't activate, and they're trying to figure out what's wrong. And, uh, and, the, and then Vader plays it off as it's somehow Thrawn's incompetence. So the Gersk are like moving planets and like in moons into the like middle of like hyperspace lanes, and that's what's causing to the the hyperspace drive to shut down because it can like somehow detect that there's like a, a block in the hyperspace lane, I guess. So they're trying to get back all the Chish children, but they need a way of like beating the Gersk to like their home. I don't want to call it a base, but like their home location. Apparently, they're very nomadic, even though Thrawn says they're not. I don't know. Thrawn claims that the rumors of like this these species are that they don't have a home world. Yeah, he thinks they do. I don't know. So, but somehow they know that the Gurks have like, this rendezvous point with all their ships, and Thrawn wants to get there before the Gursks do. But they obviously can't take the same hyperspace lane at the Gursk arc, otherwise they'll get there too late. So this is the climax of the book, is that Thrawn asks Vader to because he's so powerful in the force try to do what the, th- the the Chiss children were doing and, like, plot out, like, a pathway through, like, force precognition. And that's really cool because you see this part, like, where Vader's, like, like, he's, like, obviously, he, like, sits in front of, like, and it's really, it's a really neat visual because they mentioned it, like, Thrawn, like, asked Vader to go sit, like, in front of, like, the, I guess the navigation panel on, like, the Star Destroyer. So Vader goes down to, like, one of those, like, little recessed things on the bridge of a Star Destroyer and just, like, sits in front of, like, a little console that they make a big point of saying, like, the seat's too small for him. And he has to, like, sit in front of it, and he's trying to, like, navigate it while, like, deeply meditating into the Force. And while he's doing that, he's, he's sensing all the memories of Anakin Skywalker. This one thing that worth might be worth noting that might be important later on, in all of Vader's internal, like, dialogue or monologuing, whatever you want to call it, anytime he has a memory that goes back— because at numerous times, like, Thrawn's aware of the fact that Anakin Skywalker has become Darth Vader. It's hinted at numerous times in the book. Uh, to the point where it's blatantly obvious, and then toward the end, they make it into like this, like kind of like a reveal. Like, like Thrawn says something. It's like, oh, when we knew each other on Batu, and Vader's like, we have never met before. Sometime since he was Darth Vader, and Thrawn's like, oops, my mistake. And I'm like, Mo-. it's like, but come on, it's like we know the fact that you know. Th- if Thrawn's this genius, he would obviously know that. You have that, and so Vader's like, like deep into the Force, and numerous times he's he, anytime he has a memory to Anakin, he's like the Jedi. And it's like an, it's capital the capital jedi and that's how he it's never anakin skywalker it's the jedi that's the name he's given his past self vader navigates the force the hyperspace lanes and charts a new path all this new star wars media is like charting paths throughout the unknown regions like i know in rebels they did that with the lasat 
They did obviously solo. That was a major plot point of solo. You have this. Yeah, it's just a weird thing. I, I, I don't know. Whatever. So you have that. They they rescue all the Chish children, and Thrawn goes on like a monologue at the end. And it's it's very much hinted that the Gursk are going to be the the new can form of the Yuzen Bong. Not like I said, it's hinted at that. If you're a big fan of from Legends, the Chiss Ascendancy, in which is also carried over a name in this, you will love this because there's a lot of Ch- a Chiss Ascendancy talk. Because if you read the first Thrawn book, there's a couple of lines where the Emperor asked Thrawn when he first got brought before him, where do your alliances lay? And Thrawn's like, you are my Emperor, you come first, then my people. And throughout this whole book, Vayers is constantly like, like you swore uh, an oath to the Empire. And it's like, well, Thrawn's never doing anything that would make it look like he's compromising this. And a couple of times, like, Thrawn's like, I want to go after these Gurks. And Vayers like, no, the Empire comes first. I'm like, well, obviously, if these stupid, it's, it's like, what does this have to do with the Chiss? It's like, if these people are blocking hyperspace lanes, how is this not a threat to the Empire? And, and Vader renegs. So there's a lot of that, though, in this, where it's like, Vader says no, or like, Thrawn asks for something, Vader says no, Thrawn has to convince him through his, his Sherlock Holmes level of deduction, and Vader just... Let's him do it. And that's how the book con pretty much ends. The book takes place between Rebels Seasons 3 and 4, so there's no hints as to what happens to Thrawn post-Season 4. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Ezra... I, I think that's another thing we're leading toward, too, is that Ezra, again, the Gerska are made up to be this big thing. If there is a third Thrawn novel, which I think there, I think there has to be, I don't know when it would take place unless it's some... I, I guess... It would maybe because I know Thrawn disappears toward the end of season four of Rebels because he goes off on Coruscant, and that's the whole thing with Governor Price, and, and she's the one who's responsible for destroying the Tie Defender factory and the whole Caden thing. So I don't know. It, it could be that very early on they mentioned how Thrawn wants more funding for his Tie Defender project over director Krennic's Death Star, and they even say that Vader prefers the Death Star to Thrawn's Tie Defender project. Which doesn't make sense because I know, obviously, we all know Vader was never a fan of the Death Star. Toward the later end of this, Vader is flying a TIE Defender. And I thought it was going to be clever. I thought they were going to say that, um, obviously, TIE Defenders have shields and all that sort of stuff. I thought they were going to sit there and say, oh, the reason why Vader's TIE Advanced 1 had all the stuff it did that was like shields, a hyperdrive, was because of Thrawn's TIE Defender project. I thought, like, oh, that's a great way to tie it in. No. It's established that he already had the TIE Advanced prior to this. So I don't know how Thrawn's TIE Defender is an innovation if Vader's TIE Advanced one already had all these modifications on it. I don't want to call it breaking continuity, but it's just like, oh, I'm a nerd sitting in front of a computer talking into the void. And if I can think of this, why are the people that are getting paid six-figure salaries not thinking about this? But no, actually, that's cool, though, because Vader's like, I really like this TIE Defender. And it's like, oh, okay, that's neat. Like I said, they get along for, like, toward the end of the thing. They, like, I joke in, like, for the last few months ever since this was announced, I always joked this would be like a buddy cop, like, book. And it kind of is. Like, like, Vader's really grouchy. And Thrawn's like, I'm going to go get these people. And in the very end, is Thrawn, like, tells the Gurks people, like, or the species, don't, don't ever come back. Like, we're on to you. And he says it, like, in, in the Chiss language, which I should know, but I don't. And Vader's like, you said that as a chess, not as an imperial person. And he's like, this is a disobedience to your empire. And Thrawn's like, well, if I tell them you're doing it, they're going to start coming after the empire now. If they think it's the chess they're doing it, they're going to continue. They're not even going to know you people, the, us as the empire is even out here yet. Much like the Vong, it's made out that the Gursk have like spies like all out throughout like the unknown regions and parts of the Outer Rim. 
plotting maybe an invasion of the, the core worlds. I have a feeling, I know, sorry for this week not talking about the episode 9 casting announcement. We'll get into that next week. And after that, you get to hear part 2 of our Star Wars Clone Wars discussion. Woo! I still think the end of episode 9 is going to be, you're going to have Kylo Ren and Rey teaming up. Or you're going to have the, the Resistance, or, I don't know, maybe the New Rebellion, maybe that's what they're going to call it, teaming up with the First Order to fight this, this external threat. Very similar to a Magneto and Professor X sort of scenario. I, I think that, you know, again, like I said, we'll get into the whole thing. This is the end of the Skywalker saga. Folks, don't, 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 don't dilute yourself. There's, there's no, until Disney goes bankrupt as a corporation, there's never going to be an end to the Skywalker saga. Don't let all the headlines fool you. There is never going to be an end to the Skywalker saga. That's kind of the book as a whole. The, Anakin, I, I can, the Anakin and Padme stuff, it's fine. It, it plays like a Clone War story. There's not much to even talk about there. The only thing that's really funny part of the Anakin Thrawn Padme part is that on on I don't know the planet because only a small again only like half the book takes place on Batu because they go to another planet nearby that begins with the letter M some weird name it sounds like Minoc almost like sounds kind of like that like Mygito mixed with Minoc that's kind of what the word is and they go there and the separatists have like a factory on a plant and they're they're mining this like specific type of ore that can that's like resistant to lightsabers or like if lightsabers come in contact with this substance it deactivates them and so count dooku's brother yeah count dooku's brother's in this <laughs> he's the kind of like the main villain of the thrawn anakin part of it is creating battle droids like coded in this sort of like element and then at one point count dooku's brother comes out in like clone trooper armor that's also like coded in the same sort of thing and like anakin and padme are like why would this happen why would they cloak clo- why would they coat clone trooper armor in this we might never know why and I'm like well clearly this is gonna be something that i guess palpatine was gonna do gets the jedi for order 66 very heavy-handed like foreshadowing or hinting you know it didn't really come to pass at one point padme kind of like meets a bunch of the locals and they help her out and she promises them like money if they help her find out this plan about the battle droids coding this stuff and there's a mine they're obviously digging it out of. And Anakin's like, we have to destroy the mine. And then, like, very, like, just like, 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 like a chapter earlier, they deliberate, Thrawn suggests to Anakin, have R2D2 put, like, like in the new, like, when they process these new droids for, like, this new method of, like, coating them in this element or mineral, have it so, like, some sort of, th- again, sci fi gobbledygook dialogue where it's just like, oh, like, if a blaster shot hits it, it will cause it to, like, erupt. So, like, it won't just destroy it. If it gets like hit once by blaster fire, or maybe if it like, absorbs too much of it, it'll just like blow up and wipe out like all these things. And so they're like, oh, that's a great idea. And so they do that. And so like if these things ever do get deployed, they'll just just be destroyed immediately. They get like very little blaster fire. And then like after all that happens, Thrawn goes off his own way. Thrawn and we wanted to be on this planet because he wants some sort of shield generating technology, um, which might play a role later on. I don't know. If, if it is something that already ties into current Star Wars media, I don't know. It's over my head. But anyway, though, so like after they've done this thing with like the element of all the droids, they're about to leave the planet, and Anakin's like, we have to destroy this mine. And, and Padme and, and Thrawn are like, why do we have to destroy the mine? You already fixed the problem. Like, we're going we're gonna to cause so much damage for them doing, like, when they even deploy these things, let them waste their resources on, on mining it. He's like, no. And they can make a very big point. Like, this is when Anakin... And like, I think there's the thing with Padme. She's like, I never liked it when Anakin behaved this way. It plays out very similarly when Padme says it to when the moment, like when he's like, I murdered the sand people. I killed them like animals. The women and the children too. 
makes a point of saying like he's like he's like in one of those moods for some reason. Even though the whole like Tuscan Raiders thing was they killed his mother. Apparently, Anakin just hates the fact these people have droids that that will deactivate lightsabers. And so like Anakin goes off to like blow up the mine, and like and they're flying away. Thrawn goes off on his own ship. This is the very end of the Anakin Padme story part. And like they're on their own ship, and like one of the people like Padme was like like bribing to like help help her during this time when she's like trying to do stuff on this planet. Like is on the ship with them, and the guy's like, "Why why are you destroying the mine?" Anakin's just like Anakin like won't give a response. And then like as they're flying away, I guess Anakin detonates the bomb that was going to blow up the thing, and what it does is like it comp- almost practically destroys the planet, <laughs> and it's like. It causes like lava to come out of the ground, and, and it's made. It's noted that like there's so much ash, it's gonna block out the sun for decades. <laughs> and the whole time, like in Padme's, like, hmm, I guess he was just in one of those moods that day. And it's like, what? He like he won't. He like almost. And Anakin's like aware of like the damage he's causing because the guy like the like, that Padme bribes like this is gonna kill my people, <laughs> and and Anakin's just like meh, whatever. I'm not sure how many Star Wars, the Clone Wars fans we have out there, but there was a great moment I always loved in, I think it was season two of Star Wars, the Clone Wars, where I think it was Obi-Wan and Duchess Satine are like confessing their like past feelings for each other. So I think it's one of those times in like, I think whoever it was had Duchess Satine like a gunpoint saying something. And it's like, and he said, he's like taunting Obi-Wan. He's like, you Jedi don't have the power to win this war. You will not do what it takes to kill what's trying to harm what you love. And like out of nowhere, Anakin just shows up and like stabs the lightsaber through his like abdomen. And it's like, you stop monologuing, buddy. And I always found that hysterical that Anakin's just like a cold-blooded killer and like the Jedi are completely okay with it. Like, whatever. And that's kind of like what he's doing. And it's like he blew up a mine that didn't need to be blown up. And he's inadvertently killed this entire planet of people. And he's like, I blew up the mine. I'm happy now. And again, that's where it does tie in very well to the Clone Wars. It's like, oh, it's still the homicidal, megalomaniacal Anakin we know and love. Yay, I hope we get more of that in Clone Wars Season 8 on the Disney streaming service. Let's some more of that homicidal Anakin. But no, not, not jaded, snarky, cynical nonsense for now. Oh, um, no, but anyway, like, I mean, I was kind of negative on this book. The Vader Thrawn stuff is really a lot of fun, but I wish that's what it was. Like, the Lords of the Sith book, it reminded me of that. You know, it's not as good as Lords of the Sith. Whereas that book was split into two different parts. You had Cham Syndulla, Hera's father, as he's like attacking Vader and the Emperor's like Star Destroyer and all this. And the second half, or not the second half, but the other part of the story was the Emperor and Vader like trying to like evade capture and like being attacked. And so you really kind of like a 50-50 split where you got like a nice portion of Vader and Emperor dynamic. In this, it's split three ways because you have I'd have to say that you get the most amount of stories devoted to Anakin and Thrawn, then the Vader and Thrawn, and then Padme. But the Padme stuff eventually, like, all ties into the Anakin-Thrawn stuff. So, like, I have a book that has Vader and Thrawn on the cover. A third of the book is Vader and Thrawn. Like I said, I'm a little disappointed in that. Take any other Star Wars character and just put Vader next to them, and I think it's fun. I want that. If there's anything to be learned from this book, I want more Vader nonsense. Even though Vader is, like I said, he's the Mickey Mouse of Star Wars. He is a fertile character. It's a good book. It's a page-turner. I read it in about a, about a week. Yeah, good book. Pick it up. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at KOV Podcast, and on our Facebook group. Search Knights of Vader on Facebook, and chances are you'll find the group. 
If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at RogueKnight, K-N-I-T-E. And on the Cinemodities Podcast, where we'll be discussing Akira. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Bye.